That was nice. That was almost like, um, that had like 24 vibes to it, the way you counted down like that. Oh my God, 24. Yeah. Wow, what a throwback. I know. Oh, shit. I, I haven't know. thought about 24 and forever. But that guy, every time I see him in anything else, I'm like, oh, it's the guy from 24. It's 24. Yeah. I hate his voice, though. I'm not going to lie. Me too. His voice is up there with Dennis Quaid's for me. I just really fucking hate their voices. I was never a huge fan of Dennis Quaid, but I love his son. I don't know anything about his son. His son's in The Boys, and he's good in it. Oh, good for him. He looks just like Dennis Quaid. Hmm. Literally, just like him. Hmm. Yeah, well, and you know, like, I don't know, there's, like, certain... You know what? Welcome back to Oddities, everybody. Sorry. <sighs> I'm Cassie. I'm Anna. And welcome back to Strange Town. And before we get going on Dennis Quaid again... <laughs> <laughs> you can find our social media information in the description box. If you would like to donate to our Patreon... Uh, you can find us under Oddities Podcast. Uh, Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. How do you spell Oddities? O-D-D-I-T-I-E-S. And we do have a link to that in that des- in that description box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for those who donate to our show, you get bonus content every Wednesday. That's right. Because one we round of us a week. Current turn. Burnish current turn? Because one round of us is not enough. We also right. we also have an email if you would like to send us topics or personal stories or uh, just say hello. You can find us at oddities.talk at gmail.com. And that is also in the description. Drop us a line. Drop us a line. So anyway, what I was going to say is there are some actors right. where you look at them and you're like, you were born to play a father. Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Or the guy that played Bella's dad in Twilight. Oh, that mustache. That mustache. And maybe it's, maybe it's, a. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like. But th- that's true. I'm trying to think of who else has played a dad that I've been like, this is perfect. I I can't. Those two people are really good ones. Like to me, Tom Selleck is supposed to be a dad. Oh my God. You know, I, I don't know. I just like, I think about these things sometimes and I'm like, that's a father. Yeah. And they came into the or... world a father. <laughs> You know who I feel like is the classic mom is like Connie Britton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she's like one of those moms that's like a high class mom that like loves to spend time at like yoga classes and brunch. But also is like a good mom. But also is like a mom that has like high, high morals and like, and yeah. like educates her kids and like also like disciplines her and children. Like, yeah. And, and like, like takes in on them. Takes an active role in their lives. You yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love this. I love this concoction, but it's true. And then there are some people that get cast as a mom and I'm like, you don't fit this. You're yeah. Stop it. Stop pretending. Did did you ever see that movie with uh, JLo where she was the, like she hooked up with that, the neighbor kid. Have you ever seen that movie? (laughs) No. What the fuck? Dude. I watched that movie like on a fluke. I was like, Oh, 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 what is that? Uh, I'm like remembering the trailer or like the the poster yeah. for the movie, and the kid, the guy, the the neighbor kid is like 16. Well, c- or is he like I'm 18, so it's you know whatever. I don't know. Right, but he's and like way younger. Somehow creepier. Yeah, that's and that's then he still not okay. Like, he like switches into her class and like gets obsessed with her. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Obsessed, but role reversed. Maybe I saw like twenty seconds of that movie. <laughs> oh, that's all you need to see. That's... By the way, us us describing the gist, you don't need to watch the movie. That's it. And then there's like a weird sex scene. You're welcome. We saved you like two hours of your life. <laughs> yeah, I, we really did. You're welcome. I feel like that's what we consistently do on this podcast. We just save you from watching terrible movies. <laughs> We're the I heroes watched... that nobody knew they needed. That's right. Not all heroes wear capes, motherfuckers. Sometimes they wear sweatshirts. Sometimes they wear sweatshirts and don't don't put effort into their appearance when they're recording the podcast. No, I never will, goddammit. I won't either. Look at my head right now. I'm still wearing the t-shirt on my head. Oh yeah, Cassie's plopping again. I've been plopping for like three hours. How long are you supposed to do it? I don't don't know that there is like a hard and fast rule of plopping. I just kind of... But I will tell you this, there's probably going to be a weird dent because of my headphones, but say lovey, you know. Hopefully lovey. it'll just blend with the curls. 
That's right. Does it work? Have you found that it works? I, w- I would yes. imagine you have found so, otherwise you wouldn't be still doing it. Yeah, so I quite enjoy it. The thing that I don't enjoy is uh, my hair as it is takes a very long time to dry. And when I plop, even though it, like, it soaks up some of the water, it's still usually pretty wet when I take it down and everything else. Mm-hmm. Because you're supposed to like, I mean, your head is supposed to be like soaked, like just like dripping still. And then you like literally load in the product. Like I use way more gel than I ever thought I would use. And it doesn't come out crunchy or anything. Hmm. Yeah. I have, have we ever described what plopping is on the podcast? I'm sure we have at some point. No, because it sounds like I'm taking a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're talking about product and gel, and I'm like, I feel like we got to talk about what this is. It's not what you think. Everybody, plopping is like a Unless a method. you know what it is, then it is what you think. It's kind of like, a, and, I'm, and I'm new to this whole, like, curl journey that I've been on, but, like, it's like a way to kind of, like, style and dry your hair that kind of, like, is supposed to help with frizz and you know all of that when you have curly wavy hair yeah you have beautiful hair thank you so do you no i think you have very nice hair that's i've like i've actually like actively thought that to myself on several occasions when we're hanging out it's so straight and it's but my problem with hair is i get bored so if well the the people on the podcast don't know this i have a tendency to as soon as i get bored Get a buzzer out, buzz the sides. I don't do it. A woman I deeply trust with my hair does it. Or I dye it. I my my long stand running joke with one of my oldest friends is the <laughs> that it gets long, I get bored, it gets short. It, I get bored, it, I grow it out. I'm just like That's continuously me. growing That's me it too. out, cutting it, growing it out, cutting it. And my goal I'm, I'm I'm just so bored with it all the time. My mine too. I do the same thing and my goal was like to keep it nice and long for the wedding so I could style it however I wanted and have like an yeah, ample hair to do it. I've, I've seen your hair in a while. It's very long. Um, and then I was going to chop it and lo and behold, we're not getting married this year. And so <laughs> I got another yeah, year no. of length and then it's coming off. <laughs> how, how short are you going? I love when people talk about cutting their hair. Oh, not like, I mean, when I say short, I don't mean like I'm getting like a pixie cut because I don't have the facial structure or shape for that. Uh, probably like shoulder shoulder or so like oh, a, that would be so cute a, little a nice bob. little like sassy little moment like i have a hair uh, i have a hair i have a picture of a haircut actually from uh the singer kelsey ballerini she had short hair for a while and it looks great and it looks like we have similar like texture so because i think that's something people do not factor in when they go to the hairdresser with a picture mm-hmm. is your hair like cassie's hair is so thick mm-hmm. so I have, if, I have a lot if, if you go into the hairdresser with someone whose hair is thin and then you get upset by the cut, that's because you didn't factor in what their hair is. My hairdresser, that's the first thing she tells me. She's like, their hair isn't like yours, so it's yeah. not going to do exactly what you want. Like, I can never walk into a hairdresser with a, with a picture of Cameron Diaz, for example. Like, she has very, yeah, right. exactly. like, her hair looks like it's very thin, fine. Not, not like her hair is thinning, but it looks like it's very fine. Mine is, like, uh, thicker. It's a little bit coarse. Like, so I usually go in with pictures of, like, uh, well, like Kelsey Ballerini will be one or like, um, Selena Gomez or, uh, like Demi yeah. Lovato, like those hair types are similar to what I have going on. So that's mm-hmm. what I, that's my inspo. Usually they have some nice my, haircuts. My <clears throat> last picture when I buzzed the side was of Demi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I like the way she did it. Yeah. And so anyway, that's, I agree with you. I get bored too. I go long and short and long and short and I, you know, as soon as I, I chop it, it's like time to grow it out again. And you know. Yeah. I mean, I've dyed my hair blonde. I've dyed it red. I've dyed it purple black. I've dyed it. Like I just get so bored. The only thing that I haven't hit is the pastels. And I don't think I'm ever going to touch that because bleach, when people say like, Oh, bleaching your hair is so bad for it. Bleaching your hair is so bad. for it. It is. Remember when we did mine? What a trip that was. Oh, oh wow. Do the podcast, but they don't know. No, I had mermaid hair for a while, like on, on the bottom of my hair. I never do my whole head. And I did it. Yeah, and, and Anna did it, and it took us like four hours. <laughs> oh, and we did not open windows, so all we were doing was inhaling bleach for four hours. And so this is why we are the way we are today, everybody. <laughs> I've never been right. wondering. I feel like... I feel like if anyone could go back through time and be like, oh, this is why you lost two years. This is the year. point. You know how, right. You know how people are like, oh, you you gained two years of your life by doing this. Or you Like, if someone could go back through our lives, they're like, you guys inhaled bleach for four hours, so you lost three months. 
<laughs> you two collectively lost three months. It came out. It came out great, though. I really liked how it looked. It was purple, oh, pink, was so awesome. teal, and like a I think a darker blue, right? Yeah, it was. yeah. And it was like so, that was the best day. We were crazy by the end of it, but that was so fun. I was coming out of a big old breakup. It was it was the prime time for it. It was a good day. It was. It was a great day. And it, it looked awesome. It did. You did I a good job. I remember it being done and we were like, we smashed it. I know. I think both of us were like a shocked. little shocked. We were, <laughs> I was fully ready to like have to bleach it again and get like brown dye and just go back to normal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, we talked about that. I was like, hey man, if you hate this, like we'll just go get brown dye. And yeah. And we were like, yeah. So it's all good. hair grows back, folks. That's it, everybody. It grows back. But bleaching your hair will severely damage it. And that, my that godmother- will who she wears wigs all the time. She's the most wonderful person on the planet. She's so fabulous. And she talks about how she, cause she, or she's like, I mean, she's in her seventies, but mm-hmm. she's like losing her hair. And she's like, see, this is what happens when you dyed your hair all the time. And I was like, yeah, but I'm still going to do it. But still worth it. Yeah. Like I, I love getting, also like, there's safer dyes now. There are. And I love doing, I don't like coloring my whole head because I'm too lazy. I don't like have to deal with like root touch-ups and things like that. So I like, I love Mm. balayage and like ombre and all that stuff. Problem is, is I went to go get mine done and I wanted like a nice, like chocolatey copper color, kind of. And she was like, your hair can't do that. And I was like, really? Because we've done it before. And so I ended up with blonde and that's not what I wanted. I mean, it still looks nice, but I wanted something a little deeper. So also, I'm, your hair is brown. It can a thousand percent hold that color. I don't know why, like why that was the case. Like why couldn't it? But your hair is like now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, whatever. So wait, guess... did we ever describe plopping? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I know. So it's it's supposed to help with frizz and everything else. So it's your head soaked. You put in a shitload of product. Obviously, it's like brushed or whatever or combed, and then you you put it in a t-shirt and you wrap it up on your head and you leave it for some time and it's supposed to help because like I have issue with like yep. not having enough volume help I have enough I have a problem with not having enough volume at my roots all my volume is at the bottom so like it's supposed yeah. to help with that a little bit you know you get serious volume though I do get some volume and I encourage it I used to like shy away from the volume now I'm like baby bring oh, it yeah. on big hair all day yeah that hair has a body thank you luscious you know it's true right um okay now that we've talked about hair Yes. Shall we shall we press on? Let's just press on, shall we? <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about Travis Walton. Mm, Travis. Okay. Okay. On November 5th, 1975. Spooky. Here we are. Here, oh, the 70s. Yeah. Here the, we are. In the golden yeah. age All of the right. 70s. That's already starting. Okay. While working in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona, as an American forestry worker... Travis Walton was riding in a truck with six co-workers. That's a packed truck. That's 1975. That's it. Everybody in. We're all forest rangers in Snowflake, Arizona. If that's not straight out of a book, I don't know what is. Yeah. I I mean, absolutely. All right. So, according to Walton, they encountered a saucer-shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away. Yes! a high-pitched buzz. Yes. Another round better. of aliens. Okay, give it to me. Yeah, I'm 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 doubling up. Two Thank weeks God. Aliens. Yes, I can't get enough. Walton leaves the truck. He approaches the object. Yes. And a beam of light appears from the craft and knocked him unconscious. You guessed it, gang. <laughs> it's an alien abduction. <laughs> he got his ass kicked. He's like, knock knock. And they were like, no, bitch, boom. <laughs> knocked him like, out with a light. <laughs> So let's talk about what happened. Oh, yes. All right. The other six men were frightened and drove away. Useless. Friends, don't get yourself a group of people like that. (laughs) Can you even imagine? There are six of you. One guy was like, fuck this. Later. It's reverse. Hits the gas. We're out of here. That sucks. What a shitty group of friends. Seriously. And there's six of them. Not one other person gets out of the truck. Garage. 
garage or lack thereof. Well, that's right. So Walton claims that he awakes in a hospital-like room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the aliens have been to our hospitals. Yeah, that's right. Real fast, everybody. If you'd like to hear more about what happens in these hospital-like rooms, go check out our boozy alien episode. That's true. That one's a doozy. But Walton has his own experience. Tell me more. I mean, I would highly recommend for anyone that's new to the podcast, go listen to the Aliens Boozy episode. Go listen it's a to treasure. Go listen to any boozy episode. Those are our those are our creme de la creme, you know? I would say my my top three to record and then listen back to is the Vatican, Aliens, and um the boy. Oh, yeah. The boy's great. That one was great, too. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a... We normally... Yeah. We, we normally all. <clears throat> we normally serve you, like, brownies or chocolate chip cookies here on the podcast, yeah. but when you encounter a boozy episode, it's like a creme brulee. I mean, it is just, you know, it it, it is to the next level. <laughs> we're giving you the whole cake. That's it. That's it. And we're eating it, too. All right, go on. That's right. So, he awakes in a hospital-like room. He's being observed... By three short, bald creatures. That's not what I at all anticipated. He's being observed by balding Oompa Loompas. Apparently. All right. Okay. If they had only started singing. And rolling kids out of the room and shit, you know. That's right. He claims that he fought with them. I bet. Sure, buddy. Fought with them? What did you, like, what did you do? Like Like a bar fight? What do you mean? They had fisticuffs. (laughs) Yeah, all of a sudden they're like, put them up, see? Yeah. I don't know why they're from we're the gonna, 1920s. We're going to duke it out. <laughs> yeah, but I just, what? So then a human wearing a helmet comes in. How did he know it was a person in a helmet, but fine. Why did and the... leads Walton into another room. Where did the daredevil come from? Why is a motorcyclist coming into this room? <laughs> evil Knievel just came through the wall, yeah. and what here is... he is. <laughs> Okay. So then Walton claims that he blacks out as three other humans put a clear plastic mask over his face. This, I think, could be described as if he really passed out in the woods. Somebody was just like, I don't think he's breathing and put something over his That's face. That's 120% what this can be described as. Yes. <clears throat> Where the man came in wearing a helmet? I don't know. Well, if he had a lack of oxygen or something like that, there might have been, like, some minor hallucinations going on. Hence the three, I mean... Hence the three short bald dudes and Evil Knievel. Also, if you think about it, three short bald dudes, well, I guess maybe not, but three short bald dudes, then Evil Knievel and other human beings, that's six guys. That is six guys. Six or seven guys. And, you know, there's a lot of factors. His potassium levels, that can make you hallucinate. Like, there's, like, there's, like, a lot of shit. Right. So Walton claims he remembers nothing else until he... Oh, this is the bit that I love. Until he finds himself walking along a highway five days later with a flying saucer departing above him. So he he really did go missing for five days. Wow. I walk a lonely road. (laughs) (laughs) i and the people thought that his co-workers killed him so i guess maybe it wasn't his co-workers because they showed up back and they were like he's gone right in Mm. the days following his claim this this is where we get a little okay the national Enquirer awarded walden and his co-workers five a five thousand dollar prize for the quote best ufo case of the year unquote what the hell? I want $5,000. Also, why his co-workers if they left? Yeah, they, they don't deserve any of that. He deserves all of it. And uh, we're not Did splitting a penny. Did they get $5,000 each? Oh, or I don't know. See, I was just... thinking they just gave like a lump sum and they had to split it. Which, if it was me, I would have been like, you guys left me. You're not y- getting anything. Yeah, in which case, give them 10 bucks for the gas that they used to get away from him. Dickheads. To speed away. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is... They gave, they were awarded this money because they allegedly passed polygraph tests administered by the Inquirer and the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. Love that. APRO. Mm-hmm. Walton, his older brother, and his mother were described by the Navajo County, Arizona Sheriff 
as, quote, longtime students of UFOs, unquote. Mm, aren't we all? Which seems like a really nice way to be like, they're like this. <laughs> <laughs> they live in their mom's basement and, like, put things up on the wall with push pins and red yarn. I don't know. We heard they're building a bunker. I'm not trying to talk about it. <laughs> they're listening. <sighs> so, ufologist. Thank God. I, God. I wonder what my future will be, and now I know. A ufologist. That's it. Ufologist Jim Ledwith said, quote, For five days, the authorities thought he'd been murdered by his coworkers, and then he was returned. All of the co-workers who were there who saw the spacecraft, they all took polygraph tests, and they all passed, except for one, and that one was inconclusive, unquote. Mm. We've, been, we've been here with polygraph tests before, too. We sure have. People believe it was a put-up job, which was then sensationalized by the media, all done to make money. Mm. Mm-hmm. People are me. It, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time, you know. Uh, exactly right. UFO researcher Philip J. Class considered Walton's story to be a hoax perpetrated for financial gain and discovered many discrepancies in the accounts of Walton and his co-workers. Class reported that polygraph tests were, quote, poorly administered and that Walton used polygraph countermeasures, such as holding his breath. I didn't even know that worked. It can, like, fuck with your your rate and stuff. I didn't know that it would do really necessarily anything for a polygraph. That's interesting. That is interesting. Class uncovered an earlier failed test administered by an examiner who concluded that the case involved gross deception. <laughs> there it is. Here we are. <laughs> gross deception. Cognitive, cognitive psychologist Susan Clancy. Here she comes. Here she is. Argues that alien abduction reports began only after stories of extraterrestrials appeared in films and on TV, and that Walton was likely influenced by the NBC television movie The UFO Incident, which aired two weeks before his own claimed abduction and dramatized the alien abduction claims of Barney and Betty Hill. Oh, we remember Barney and Betty. We sure do. We sure do. I mean, it's blurry, but we remember oh. them. <laughs> it's foggy at best, but we know them. <laughs> but we... There's a little, there's a bell in the back of my head, and it's oh, ringing. There's a drunken bell that's slowly ringing. <laughs> there's an empty bottle in the back of my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just clanging together. Uh, Clancy noted the rise in alien abduction claims following the movie and cites classes' conclusions that, quote, after viewing this movie, any person with a little imagination could now become an instant celebrity, and concluded that one of those instant celebrities was Travis Walton. I mean, they're not wrong. In 1978, Walton wrote the book The Walton Experience, detailing his claims, which became the basis for the 1993 film Fire in the Sky. But Paramount Pictures decided Walton's account was, quote, too fuzzy and too similar to other, to other televised close encounters, unquote. So they ordered screenwriter Tracy Torme to write a, quote, flashier, more provocative abduction story, unquote. Love us a flashy pro provocative. I can't even say it. Abduction story. Also, like, that's the most why corporate is... thing I've ever heard in my life. Why? Why? Why those words? <laughs> Just why? And, and and here's the here's the final nail. In 2008, Walton appeared on the Fox game show The Moment of Truth and was asked if he, in fact, is abducted by a UFO on November 5th, 1975. To which he replied, "Yes." The polygraph test determined he was lying. Ooh. And that's the short and sweet Travis Walton. Wow. I mean, I don't I think, think he's a liar. I think he's lying. And I'm always one for a good abduction scenario, but uh, let me rephrase. Always one for a good alien abduction scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Qualifier. I just, I just also feel like... It's such a cowboy story. Yeah, this is... Like, you get abducted, you walk up to it, which, fine, okay, great. Last week in the in the Rendlesham, they fully investigated. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Courage. But mm -hmm. I just feel like you, you get there, you get abducted, and then you fight them off. And then a guy with a helmet, Evil Knievel walks in. Evil, yeah, I... 
And then three humans are like, we got you. Like, it's very hoorah. It's too much for me. It's, um... Uh, I think, uh, it's gotta be some kind of hallucination or just totally made up. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's a, um... That's right. It's one of those. Nope. Nope. I mean, it is. It's what my brain is doing right now. It's but a, it's a, uh, it's fuguing. <laughs> a fuguing. Thank you so much. He's, oh, thank God. He's fuguing out. I, I just fugued. Trying yeah. To Anna it. just fugued for a moment. She's back though. Maybe. I I'm don't back. know. Yeah. I'm back. Welcome back. Uh, yeah. Or he had a fugue state because the fact that he disappeared for five days. Five days. All right. Yeah, maybe we well, had a, were you just taking a nap. We had a fugue moment. Either that or he was just wandering the woods and was too embarrassed to say he got lost. It happens. And, As and a we, forestry worker. Our pride gets the best of us, you know? Sure does, especially with men. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. So. so I just feel like, you know, it's all right, man. You got lost. You got and lost you in the UFO woods. saw a UFO thing and you were into UFOs. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it happens. Yeah, I'd like I to get lost so. and see a UFO personally, but... Yeah, but I'd keep that. Well, I tell you, but I'd keep that shit to myself. Yeah, I don't think I'd. I'd go to the national whatever inquirer. Was it? It was the national inquirer. Yeah, indeed. I. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think I'd go and sell my shit. But they're at like a like peak time to be selling their shit too. So it's like. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I mean, he got money out of it, so he got kind of what he wanted. I mean, we did win in the and end. And then he sold a book. Yeah, and so. he got a movie made. So yeah, got so you know, he's he's a success story, I suppose. I guess you fought off the aliens. Yeah, you fought off. If the, they can knock the... you out with a beam of light, how how are you fighting them off? Yeah, you're fighting off three short bald dudes and evil Knievel. I I don't know. It just yeah yeah. All right, so today today I'm also talking about something lost. But not yet ah. found. Today, I'm talking about the lost colony, the Roanoke colony. But I actually, fun story, I, I wrote a rather lengthy, like, 25-page paper about this in college for one of my classes. Of and I got a B on it. <laughs> and I got a B because the conclusion that I drew in the end is that we simply cannot draw a conclusion as to what happened. And my teacher did not like that and then hated me for the rest of the class. And so I think I, that's a fairly fair assumption based on the evidence. I presented a whole lot of evidence and I poked holes through every single ounce of it. And he just he didn't like that. And so uh, Dr. Mulcahy, if you're listening... I remember you, and I remember that grade. B is for bitter, folks. <laughs> B is for bitter. That's right. <laughs> anyway, everybody, <laughs> listen as I'll tell you all about the lost Roanoke colony. And in fact, everybody gather around. Everybody gather around the campfire. We're we're going back in time. That's right. Get your tea. Here we go. Tea up. You know. All right. So the Roanoke colony, actually, in fact, refers to two attempts to found the first permanent English settlement in North America. So so they fucked up once, and then they fucked up a second time. So great. Ah, so we're here, American before we were American. <laughs> here we are, American history. We fucked up, and then we continued to fuck up. There we go. There we are. I've just, I've just, just a quick consolidation of our history here. So, the English, uh, they were led by somebody named Humphrey Gilbert, and they had claimed St. John's, Newfoundland in 1583 as the first North American uh, English colony by royal prerogative of Queen Elizabeth I, and then Roanoke was to be the second. The first Roanoke colony was established by Governor Ralph Lane in 1585 on Roanoke Island, which is now Dare County, North Carolina. North Carolina. In the United States, but of course. That's it. (laughs) That's it. All right. And the end. Take care, everybody. Good night. Good night. So, following the failure of the 1585 settlement, a second colony led by John White landed on the same island in 1587 and became known as the Lost Colony due to the unexplained disappearance of its entire population. All of them. Bye. Bye now. So, 
there were, you know, like a whole host of things that went wrong the first time. Uh, all right, so <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go to the first round. So Ralph Lane, his colony was troubled by a lack of supplies and poor relations with local Native Americans, which folks, if you are encroaching on somebody else's land, one of the best things you can do for yourself is not become enemies. But in fact, try and establish respectful, good relations. I'm just saying. Yes. Yes. So... They 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 had a lack of supplies due to a whole host of bullshit that I'll cover. They were they were awaiting a delayed resupply mission by someone named Richard Grenville, and in fact, the guy uh, Ralph Lane decided to abandon the colony and return to England with Francis Drake in 1586. He was like, "I'm done, I'm tired. None of this Sick is of worth it. Me. We're going back." So two weeks later, the resupply arrives. <laughs> So talk about talk about missing, you know, a crossing communication there. So um, you think he just passed the boat on the ocean? He was like, no, just waved at them as they passed by Uh, in 1587. um, A uh, let's see. The next guy, White, was sent on an expedition to establish the city of Raleigh in Chesapeake Bay. However, during a stop to check in on Grenville's men, the flagship's pilot, Simon Fernandez, insisted that White's colonists remain on Roanoke. Eventually, like, White goes back to England with Fernandez with the intent to bring more supplies back to this colony in 1588. Instead, the Anglo-Spanish War breaks out, delays his return to Roanoke until 1590, and upon his arrival, he finds the settlement fortified, but abandoned. The word... Later. Yep. The word Croatoan was found carved into a palisade, which White interpreted to mean that the colonists had relocated to nearby Croatoan Island. Before he could follow his lead, though, rough seas and a lost anchor forced his rescue mission to return to England. So riddle me this. You can't venture to a nearby island, but you can make the trip back to England. Seems bullshitty to me. But anyway, the fate... Seems like a lot of shit to me. (laughs) Seems like a lot of shit. The fate of approximately 112 to 121 colonists remains unknown today. Speculation that they may have assimilated with nearby Native American communities appears as early as 1605. Investigations by the Jamestown colonists produced reports that the Roanoke settlers were massacred, as well as stories of people with European features in Native American villages, but no hard evidence was produced. Um, Mm. So let's go... Let's let's go a little bit deeper into the history, and then I'll talk about possible explanations. Because there's there's an interesting lead up to all of this, I think. But anyway, so let's go back in time. 1524. The Outer Banks are explored by somebody named Giovanni di Verrazzano. There we are. Who mistook Pomlico Sound for the Pacific Ocean? So he's a real genius, and concluded that the barrier islands were an isthmus. <laughs> and recognizing this as a potential shortcut to Ming China. You nailed it. You there it is. This guy it. is just hitting the nail on the head. <clears throat> he presents it. he presents his findings to King Francis I of France, which is King so Francis stupid. Is like, That's not right. <laughs> You're wrong. And also King Henry VIII of England, also a douchebag. Neither of whom... He was too busy chopping off his wives' heads and shit. And finding new wives and making his own religion so he could continue to do this shit. So, That's right. Right. Neither of those two guys pursued the matter. They were like, no, Giovanni... We're very busy. Go, go take a seat, would you? So then in 1578, Queen Elizabeth I grants a charter to Sir Humphrey Gilbert, like I mentioned, to explore and colonize territories unclaimed by Christian kingdoms. Here it comes. So, following Gilbert's death in 1583, the Queen divided the charter between his brother Adrian and his half-brother Walter Raleigh. Adrian! Adrian! So Adrian's <laughs> charter gave him the patent on Newfoundland and all points north where geographers expected to eventually find a long-sought northwest passage to Asia. Spoiler alert, they didn't find it. Raleigh was was awarded the lands to the south, though much of it was already claimed by Spain. However, Richard Hackliot had by this time taken notice of Verrazano's Isthmus and located within Raleigh's claim and was campaigning for England to capitalize on the opportunity. And so Raleigh's charter was issued May 25th, 1584, and specified that he needed to establish a colony by 1591. The queen was like, okay, you got like seven years, make it happen, or else. Nothing like a deadline. Love a deadline. 
or he was going to lose his right to colonization. So he was to, quote, discover, search... His right to colonization. Can we just... This I is, mean... This is, in fact, very indicative of the time that we're functioning in. So he was to, quote... Discover, search, find out, and view such remote heathen and barbarous lands, countries, and territories to have, hold, occupy, and enjoy. What a shithead. I, I can't even begin. <sighs> I hate it. I don't it. know where to start with that. That's it's all awful. That feels like poison coming out of my mouth. So... Despite the broad powers granted to Raleigh, he was forbidden to leave the Queen's side. So instead of personally leaving or leading these voyages to the Americas, he delegated his missions to his associates. And that's how we had these other guys working for him. I don't know why she wanted him around so badly. That's what I was just I mean, what's going on there? Like, I'm, you know... Come on, Queen. Mm, What's up? Liz, you freak? All right, so... (laughs) The Amada's Barlow Expedition. So Raleigh quickly arranged an expedition to explore this claim. Uh, it departed England on April 27th, 1584. That's my mom's birthday. Not 1584, but April 27th. Hey. Hey. The expedition employed a standard route for transatlantic voyages, sailing south to catch trade winds, and that carried them westward to the West Indies, where they collected fresh water, basically for like the second leg and everything else. The two ships sailed north until the 4th of July when they sighted land at what is now called Cape Fear. Same. Mood. Love that. <clears throat> they, they made landfall. The Native Americans in the region had likely encountered or at least observed Europeans from previous expeditions. Uh, there was the Sakotan, who controlled Roanoke Island, and the mainland between Albemarle Sound and Pamlico River, uh, and soon they made contact with the English and established friendly relations. These, yeah, well, the Sakotan well, chieftain, <laughs> all good things must come to an end. The Sakotan, <laughs> the Sakotan chieftain, Wingina. Stop. Oh, stop. That can't be how it's pronounced. Maybe it's, it's got to be Wingina. It's W-I-N-G-I-N-A. Wingina? Maybe Wingina. We'll go with okay. that. Please do that for now. Wingina has recently been injured in a war with the Pomlico. So his brother, Grongan... Grand Ganameo, okay. I'm so sorry to these people, represented the tribe in his place. So they meet with them, whatever. Uh, these two guys returned back to England in the autumn of 1584. They speak highly of the tribe's hospitality and the stri- strategic location of Roanoke. Uh, they bring back two of the natives with them, Wanchese and Monteo. Uh, one was a Sakotan, one was a, a Croatan, whose mother was the chieftain. Love that. Love, Love a lady that. in charge. The expedition's reports describe the region as a pleasant and bountiful land, and there's, you know, they're alluding to this golden age and the Garden of Eden and all this fun shit, right? And so Queen Elizabeth was like, sounds tight. Way to go. so religious, it makes me want to vomit. I know. She's like, rally, nice expedition. Uh, I'm gonna... Even though you didn't go. Even though you didn't go, but great work. I'm gonna hold a ceremony and knight you, and then she's going to, she's going to proclaim the land granted to him, Virginia. And proclaim him Knight, Lord, and Governor of Virginia. And Sir Walter Raleigh proceeded to seek investors to fund a colony. So then we so have... this this yeah. motherfucker never went anywhere, and he gets a knighthood. You got it. This guy didn't do a fucking thing except for probably hang out with Elizabeth. The queen. Yep. And uh, he gets knighted and all this shit. So, all right. Now... to work. That's it, everybody. So, for the first colony in Virginia... Raleigh plans a large, he, he wants it to be kind of like a military operation, uh, really focused on exploration and evaluation of natural resources, a.k.a. taking over lands in a forceful manner. Okay, right. so. Even though they just talked about how. Friendly relations how, and yeah. Right. Right. That Bullshit. sounds like it's all about to go right down the tubes. There it goes. So the intended number of colonists was unknown, but approximately 600 men were sent in the voyage. Uh, with probably about half intended to remain at the colony, and a second wave would come later. All right, so their fleet consists of seven ships. April 9th, 1585, they leave uh, Plymouth, heading for the Bay of Biscay. They catch a severe storm off the coast of Portugal, uh, and it separates one of the boats from the rest of the fleet. It sanks. <laughs> it sank one of the boats. So this was a shit show. It sanks. They had a plan for such an occurrence, wherein the ships would meet oh. up at... 
Mosquetel on the south coast of Puerto Rico. And proceeding alone, uh, what the boat Tiger, the one that got separated, made good speed for the Caribbean, arriving at the rendezvous point on May 11th, ahead of other ships. So they're like, catch us. We may have gotten separated, but we fucking beat you here. So right. they build fortifications to protect the men. Uh, they bring salt aboard the ship. Grenville's ships sail on to La Isabella, where the Spanish set aside hostilities to trade with the well-armed English. And on June 7th, Grenville leaves Hispaniola to continue to the Outer Banks. So uh, they sail through an inlet. Uh, the tiger struck a shoal, ruining most of the food supplies and nearly destroying Yikes. the ship. Yikes. Uh, there are indications that Grenville's fleet was supposed to spend the winter with the new colony, uh, maybe to immediately begin using it as like a privateering base. Uh, the wreck of Tiger, however, made that impossible, and so the remaining provisions could not support a settlement as large as had been planned. Um, and moreover, the shallow inlets of the Outer Banks made the region unsuitable for a base to support large ships. And so the colony's top priority would now be to locate a better harbor. So they repair, you know, they reunite with some other boats. Uh, they leave some men behind... I'm, I'm really paraphrasing here. Sorry. So now we're going to start establishing the first colony. So they lost all these provisions, right? That means the colony could support far fewer settlers than originally planned. Um, it was decided that only about 100 would stay with Lane um, instead of the original 600, which would be enough to fulfill the colony's objectives until another fleet scheduled to leave England in June could deliver a next wave of colonists and provisions and everything else. Uh, Grenville, however could not know that this expedition had been redirected to Newfoundland to alert fishing fleets that the Spanish had begun seizing English commercial vessels in retaliation for attacks by English privateers. And see, folks, this is what happens when we can't play nice with others. I'm just saying. The Spaniards are like, fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off. You guys fucked around and now we're pissed, and rightfully so. So anyway, they start exploring the area. Uh, They meet up at these Sakotan villages. There's Aquascogic. Pomlico, Sakotan, his party makes contact with the locals. Uh, they present, they're presented with an opportunity to extensively study Native American society. And although much of their research did not survive the 1586 evacuation of the colony, um, an extensive survey of Virginia's inhabitants and natural resources was published in 1588 with engravings of White's illustrations included in the 1590 edition. And so following this initial mm-hmm. exploration, a silver cup was reported missing. Believing the items stolen, Grenville sent Amadas to lead a detachment back to Aquascogic to demand the return of the cup, and when the villagers did not produce the cup, the English decided that severe retribution was necessary in order to avoid the appearance of weakness. And so he Over and his a cup. He and his men burnt down the entire town and its crops, sending the natives fleeing. Over a cup. I'm just gonna say this. Go fuck yourself. Right. So this is where it starts, right? So here we here we are. You literally pissed on a situation that was otherwise going fine and you were like, "What if we just throw gasoline all over this and then light it?" What if one of his literally. guys took the fucking cup? I mean, Jesus. Right. Why immediately like, is it one of these people? And it's a cup? It's a cup. Relax. Yeah, you've got bigger issues like, hands. you know, a complete lack of food. Right. You know. So, anyway, they start exploring they're expecting to discover sources of gold and silver, and uh, plot twist, they didn't find any. Um, they became dispirited and decided the entire operation was a waste of their time. And they also researched where the local Native Americans obtained their copper, but ultimately never tracked the metal to its origin. Um, they spent the autumn of 1585 acquiring corn from neighboring villages to augment their supplies. They apparently... Ooh, you know, what's, it's so weird, as if you had not been a dickhead maybe this whole thing would have gone more smoothly for you yeah, but we because you were a dickhead i hope you all die yeah i mean pretty much right i mean i'm not rooting for them right so so little little information survives about what happened at the colony between september and march uh, making a full assessment of the winter impossible uh, they most likely exhausted their provisions and the american corn by october resulting in monotony of their remaining food sources no doubt contributing to the low morale so okay. Though 16th century science could not explain this phenomenon, Harriet noticed that each town the colonists visited quickly suffered a deadly epidemic. Which may have been influenza or smallpox. Some of the Sakotans suspected the disease was caused by supernatural forces, unleashed by the English. When Wingena fell ill, uh, his own (laughs) people... 
yeah, his own people could not treat him, uh, but he recovered after requesting prayers from the English. Impressed, Winjana asked the colonists to share this power with other stricken communities, which only hastened the spread of disease, clearly. And the epidemic likely had a severe impact on the fall harvest, at a time in which this colony would be heavily dependent on its neighbors to supplement its limited food supply. So they're like, we're going to go burn down this village, but also let's all be friends so you guys can feed us. Yeah, this is not, no. Right. No. And so this, this next part, what we do. this next part, I'm going to kind of shorten it so we can get to the, like the, the second colony and the, the colony that in fact gets lost. So basically by spring relations are strained. They're like, you're taking too much of our food. Um, Winjana burned down our village. <laughs> yeah. Winjana changed his name to Pemisapin, one who watches su- suggesting a newly cautious and vigilant policy that has been established against the English and all of that, which like rightfully mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, they, they consult with Pema Sapin to explore the mainland beyond Sakotan territory. He supports this plan, but advises that the Choanoak leader, Menatonin, was meeting with his allies to plan an attack on the English, and that 3,000 warriors had gathered at Choanoak. At the same time, he sent word to Menatonin that the English would be coming, ensuring both sides would expect hostilities. And so when Lane's well-armed party arrives, he found representatives of the Chowanok. Um, and since this gathering was not planning an attack, Lane caught them by surprise, and he easily captured him, uh, Menatonin, <clears throat> and informed him that it was Pemisapin who had requested the council in the first place. So he gains his trust. So, like, they were meant to be enemies, but then they kind of end up being buddies, right? Right. He described a rich and powerful king to the northeast, which is probably leader of the Powhatan, uh, warning that Lane should bring a considerable force if he thought to make contact. You know, it's all this back and forth and about food and taking the land and, you know, all of this stuff. And eventually, mm-hmm. eventually, Pemisapin is trying to kind of get rid of the English because they're dicks. You know, sure. he's like, he's like, you guys suck. Uh, you're, I'm we don't, happy. we don't want to sell our food to you anymore. You know, the English, you guys basically, you need to like fend for yourselves uh, and so right. the English had no way to produce enough food to sustain the colony. So Lane orders his men to break up into small groups and start foraging and begging for food in the Outer Banks in the mainland. Um, He's basically like, you guys had a home. Why are you at my door? <laughs> yeah. Pema Sapin gathers as many allies, allies as he could for a meeting. That evening, Lane attacks the warriors posted at Roanoke, hoping to prevent them from alerting the mainland the following morning. June 1st, Lane, his top officers and 25 men visit where this meeting was happening under the pretense of discussing a Sakotan attempt to free someone. And once they were admitted into the council, Lane gave the signal for his men to attack. Pema Sapin was shot and fled into the woods, but Lane's men caught up to him and brought back his severed head, and the head was impaled outside of the colony's fort. That's horrible. That's fucking horrible. So evacuation. That's that's definitely going to help an already fractured situation. More violence. That's it. So they're like, all right, enough of enough of this. We're going back to England. Right. They make contact with the fleet of Sir Francis Drake. They're like, please, God, can we just come back with you? However, a hurricane hits the Outer Banks <laughs> and their oh. boat, their boat is swept out to sea. After this, after the storm, he persuades Elaine persuades his men to totally evacuate the colony. Drake agrees to take them back to England on his boat. So it's all going to be cramped and awful. And then two Native Americans also joined them. And three of Lane's colonists were left behind and never heard from again. Bye. Rude. So uh, then, then the supply ship shows up. There's nobody there. So that's an oops. But they realize, you know. Can you imagine how pissed off you were if you were that supply ship? You're like, we just fucking got here. I know. It, it took them like what, a month, a month and a half to do that that trip. Ages. Probably more. Yeah, probably more. I'm thinking of a direct line, but they're going down. Yeah. So the the fleet returns to England. They leave a, they leave behind a small detachment of 15 men, also to maintain an English presence to protect Raleigh's claim to Roanoke. Um, according, according to the Croatoan, um, this contingent was attacked by an alliance of mainland tribes shortly after, uh, Grenville's fleet leaves. 
Five of the English were away gathering oysters when two attackers, appearing unarmed, approached the encampment and asked to meet with two Englishmen peacefully. One of the Native Americans concealed a wooden sword, which he used to kill an Englishman. Another 28 attackers... I where they learned that from. Yeah, it's almost like they're picking up on, like, you know, things mm-hmm. to do from other people. One of the Native Americans, uh, oh, I already said that. Another 28 attackers revealed themselves, but the other Englishman escaped to warn his unit. Um, one was killed, the remaining nine retreat back to the shore, fled up the island on their boat, and they found four compatriots returning from the creek, picked them up, and continued to Fort Port Ferdinando. Uh, that's it. So then, so this lane colony basically it, fa- it fails. So now we're going to the lost one. Raleigh's pursu- persuaded to make another attempt, you know, once everybody gets back. However, Roanoke Island would no longer be safe following the hostilities that <laughs> that came of everything, all of their fuck-ups. So right. one guy says, that try... English, that the English created. Right, exactly. It's not safe because of those guys, but really it's all our fault. So... Right. We burned down their village and then we cut off that guy's head and put it outside our thing. I don't know why they hate us. I don't, I don't understand what we did wrong. So recommended... <laughs> so they, they recommended the Chesapeake Bay area as a new site for the colony. And so they, they set forth to establish the city of Raleigh whatever else 115 people agreed to join the colony including white's pregnant daughter eleanor and her husband ananias dare dumb dumb the colonists were largely middle-class londoners perhaps seeking to become landed gentry we don't know anyway they leave on may 8th july 22nd the flagship and and pinnace uh (laughs) which sounds a lot like penis i'm not gonna lie uh anchored at croatone island White plans to take 40 men aboard uh, his, like, little boat over to Roanoke, where he'd consult with the men that were left there uh, before continuing on to Chesapeake Bay. However, once he boated, boated, once he boarded his tiny boat, a gentleman on the flagship representing Fernandez ordered the sailors to leave the colonists on Roanoke. So the following morning, White's party uh, locates where Lane's colony was established. The fort had been dismantled. The houses stood vacant and overgrown with melons. Fun. I mean, that's fine. We like melon and we could use it, you know? Uh, there yeah. was no sign that Grenville's men had ever been there except for human bones that White believed were the remains of one of them. Following the arrival of uh, the boat on July 25th, all of the colonists disembarked. Shortly thereafter, colonist George Howe was killed by a native while searching alone for crabs. Probably deserved it. Now they don't trust anybody because the first group right. fucked it up. So... White is smarter. He tries to reestablish relations with the Croatan with the help of Monteo, who is one of the natives that came with them. The Croatan described how a coalition of mainland tribes led by Wanchese had attacked Grenville's detachment. The colonists attempted to negotiate a truce, but received no response. And on August 9th, White led a preemptive strike, uh, but the enemy, fearing reprisal uh, for the death of one of the earlier guys had withdrawn from the village and the english accidentally attacked croatan looters uh and so that was an oops and you know whatever so then they have like this relief mission come there's supposed to be like food and all of this good stuff winter's winter's going to be showing up you know all this shit's going on um coming right winter is coming that's it so during the winter, Grenville was granted a waiver to lead a fleet into the Caribbean to attack the Spanish, because now we've got the Spanish Armada that we're worrying about. So White's gone back. The colonists are still hanging out at Roanoke. You know, we've, we've split up for a little bit. So uh, a couple of the boats get a little bit fucked up, and they're unsuitable for combat, but White's allowed to take them back to Roanoke. And so the ships depart, um, but the captains of the ships attempted to capture several Spanish ships on the, on the way, which, like, come on, just leave it alone. But anyway... Anyway, we're going back. We're on <laughs> we're on our way back on the on the two boats, Hopewell and Moonlight. And uh they're going to they're going to take White to this colony. Right? Um they're anchored at Croatone Island on August 12th, but there's no indication that White used the time to contact the Croatan for information. On the evening of August 15th, while anchored at this island, they sight plumes of smoke on Roanoke Island. And the following morning, they investigated another column of smoke on the southern end of Croatan, but found nothing. Um, The landing party spent the next two days attempting to cross Pomlico Sound with considerable difficulty and loss of life. (laughs) On on August 17th, they sight a fire on the north end of Roanoke and rowed towards it. 
They reach the island after nightfall and decide to not risk coming ashore at night, and so they spend the night in their anchored boats singing English songs in the hopes that the colonists would hear. The others make landfall. Here we are, the morning of August 18th. Here we come. The party finds fresh tracks in the sand, but they were not contacted by anyone. They also discovered the letter CRO carved into a tree. Upon reaching the site of the colony, White notes the area had been fortified with a palisade. Near the entrance of the fencing, the road, the road, the word Croatoan was carved in one of the posts. White was certain that these two inscriptions meant that the colonists had peacefully relocated to Croatoan Island, since they had agreed in 1587 that the colonists would leave a secret token indicating their destination. That's not so secret. I mean, it's right there. There's, I was just going like, to say, what's the secret, secret, you know? All you need to know is how to read. Within this, like, fortification, they found the houses had been dismantled. Anything that could be carried had been removed. Several large trunks, including three belonging to White, containing the belongings he had left behind in 1587, had been dug up and looted, and none of the colony's boats could be found along the shore. So they've, they've disappeared, kind of without a trace. And there's all these investigations into this, right? I mean, we've got, we've got like nine dudes mm-hmm. that, that go look into this over the years and everything else. Ultimately, they don't arrive at much of anything. But here are some hypotheses. Some call it the Area 51 of colonial history. Love that. Love that. But there's no evidence of the lost colony's relocation or destruction. And so speculation about their fate has endured since the 1590s. The matter has developed into a reputation among academics for attracting obsession and sensationalism with little scholastic benefit. Of course. You know, everybody's, right away, everybody's... That's a hell of a sentence. Everybody takes it to, like, supernatural shit right away, basically. Yeah, um, it's an easy wipe. Yeah. So, one, here's a speculation. The Powhatan attack at Chesapeake Bay. So David Beers Quinn, he was one of the people that that did like an investigation. He concluded that the 1587 colonists sought to relocate to their original destination, which was the Chesapeake Bay. And they they used a little boat and other small boats to transport themselves and their belongings. Um, a small group would have been stationed at Croatoan to await White's return and direct him to the new the newly transplanted colony, right? Following White's failure to locate any of the colonists, the main body of the colonists would have quickly assembled or assimilated with the Chesapeans, while the lookouts on Croton would have blended into the Croton tribe. Um, supposition, integration with the local tribes. And this is the one that I buy the most. Uh, mm-hmm. People have considered the possibility that the missing colonists would have assimilated into nearby Native American tribes, starting at least at 1605, but probably earlier. If this integration was successful, the assimilated colonists would gradually exhaust their European supplies, ammunition, clothing, and discard European culture, language, style, dress, agriculture, as Algonquian lifestyle became more convenient for them, given the situation and, you know, how everything was. Colonial era Europeans observed that many people were removed from European society by Native Americans for substantial periods of time, even if captured or enslaved, and they were reluctant to return to European style. But the reverse was seldom true. In other words, they liked what was going on with the Native American lifestyle mm-hmm. and didn't really want to leave it. But of course, the Native Americans didn't like what was going on with the European lifestyle. <laughs> I wonder why. Weird. Very strange. Therefore, it's reasonable to, to postulate that if the colonists were assimilated, they or their descendants would not seek reintegration with English settlers. Sure. Uh, most historians believe that this is the most likely scenario. Um, however, it leaves open the question of with which tribe or tribes they assimilated. Although, frankly, it doesn't really matter. But anyway. No. Mm. It's widely accepted that the Croatone were ancestors of the 18th century Hatteras, although evidence of this is circumstantial. The present-day Roanoke Hatteras tribe identifies as descendants of both the Croatan and lost colonists. So that's interesting, right? Reports of encounters with pale-skinned, Blonde-haired people among various Native American tribes occur as early as 1607. Although this is frequently attributed to assimilated lost colonists, it may be more easily explained by dramatically higher rates of albinism in Native Americans than in people of European descent. That doesn't seem right to me. I think it's the colonists. I would think so. Yeah. Otherwise, how how would that how would that have happened? I have no idea. Like, and I I don't I'm not aware of there like being what? like higher rates of albinism among native americans i didn't know that that's and why would thing. that suddenly be popping up or yeah like why all of a sudden it, like it doesn't make sense some people say they attempted to return to england but like 
with what how yeah and how you know like i think that's bullshit uh some say that there's a secret operation at beachland and some local legends in dare county refer to an abandoned settlement called beachland located within what is now the alligator river national wildlife refuge their area has had reports of small coffins some with christian markings encouraging speculation of a link to the lost colony and based on these legends yeah it's now an alligator river refuge that's right but can you imagine if it was just alligators in there at that time and all of a sudden the alligators were like there's a feast (laughs) that's what happened i know that's that's why that i mean that's what really happened to the colony they were all eaten by alligators the alligators were like oh my god oh my god so based on these legends um an engineer and an amateur archaeologist that sounds like the beginning of a joke uh (laughs) concluded that (laughs) Concluded that Walter Raleigh dispatched the 1587 colonists to harvest sassafras along the Alligator River, and all records suggesting the colony's intended destination was Chesapeake Bay, and that the England, and that and that the England, (laughs) and that England had lost colony. Nope, had lost contact with the colony, and they. (laughs) All of this was supposedly falsified to conceal the operation. from people and basically they were trying to quietly reestablish a different colony and not really be like associated with anything and just be like their own the, thing living on this governmental cover this sassafras stuff now one one thing that they look to is something called a cora tree what? so it's a southern live oak tree on hatteras island which bears the faint inscription cora c-o-r-a on its bark and they think it might be connected to the lost colony but i'll tell you what that is so long ago, I'm surprised that there's any inscription remaining. Like, that can't be the case. But anyway, this yeah. tree had already been the subject of local legends. Most notably, a story about a witch named Cora that was popularized uh, in a 1989 book. Nevertheless, Dawson argued that the inscription might represent another message from the colonists, similar to Croatoan, uh, the one that was at Roanoke. And if so, Cora might indicate that the colonists left Croatoan Island to settle with the Cori also known as the Cora Nine, on the mainland near hmm. Lake Matamuskeet. <laughs> there are a lot of hard words in this. There are, yes. So it, a 2009 study tried to determine the age of the tree, looking at like rings and stuff like that, but damage to the tree caused by lightning and decay has made it impossible to get a valid core sample for tree ring hmm. dating. Um, so we don't know about that tree. And then finally, there's something called the Dare Stones. From 1937 to 1941, a series of inscribed stones were discovered and claimed to have been written by Eleanor Dare, who was mother of Virginia Dare, who was the first person born in this colony. They they told of the travelings of the colonists and their ultimate deaths, and most historians believe that they are a fraud, but that there are some today who still believe at least one of the stones are genuine. And the first one is sometimes regarded as different from the rest based on a linguistic and chemical analysis as possibly genuine. Hmm. And so there you have it. That's Roanoke. It had a really fucked up lead up. There was a couple of oopses. We had bad relations with the Native Americans. What else is new? Way to go, okay. guys. This is why colonization is not great. And then we, you know, among we had... Other things. Among other uh, Yes, among many other things. And uh, so there you have it. A colony that disappeared without a trace and nobody knows where they went. It's different than what you'd expect. It's a mess is what it is. It's a big time mess. I mean, there were also like, there's stuff about like weather and how like, it's like one of the worst seasons and they weren't able to get any other food. So everybody just kind of died out. But if that's the case, where are all the bones? I think, yeah. right. I think they started getting with like some of the tribes and I think they like assimilated. You know, I feel like if a, it sounds like most of the soldiers or the people who were in charge dipped because they were like we'll be back and so now you just have people regular people yeah you just have regular people not enough provisions probably not going to be threatening no and they were probably still trying to get their shit set up they like you know everything was like a mess right so it's it's going to be arguably if they're interacting with the native americans at all it's going to be in a friendly or helpless kind of way mhm it's it's not going to be in an argumentative militarized way no i would hope so, not right i mean you wouldn't think so so i feel like 
if the, if the Native Americans' tendency was towards wanting to be open and friendly, which it seems like that's how it started, and the English aggravated them. Yep, they fucked it up in of the first, first round. Oh, yeah, of course they're going to see these people and be like, we should help them. Yeah, right. So if I were to pick any of them, and, and then like based off of those accounts of like the light-haired, lighter-skinned, blue-eyed, right. you know, exactly. I it makes sense to me. I mean... And honestly, if that is the case, God bless those Native Americans for being like, you guys really fucked us, but it's... We'll take we you in. also don't want you to die. Yeah, like, God bless. Uh, you know, maybe they... That's, that's wild. That's some wild uh, shit. I know, so that's Roanoke. Uh, also, clearly, the the, the... the sun never sets on the British Emperor, but, like, maybe it should. But, like, maybe it's, it's night-night, you know? Like, nook nooks. Maybe you guys need to stop colonizing. Maybe, Thanks so much for your time. Maybe we need to relax. Yeah, you know. The whole world is not yours to take over. Thanks so much for coming to the TED Talk. Yeah, and, you know, sorry to everybody who watched, like, American Horror Story Roanoke and saw the really deranged version of it, but there there is no blood moon. There are no ghosts running around. Lady That's the Ga- season I skipped. Lady Gaga doesn't show up as a witch with, like, antlers on her head that just, like, bangs people. he he okay ryan murphy i would watch an entire documentary about a psychologist talking to him Mm -hmm. because what's because what the fuck bro yeah like what's going on there like what's what's up yeah why is an animal fucking someone in almost every season i think we have some unresolved issues that we need to uh and i think he needs to go to therapy and stop making more shows we need to talk to someone so yeah there you have it, everybody. I don't have an answer for you, and I hope you can accept that, whereas my professor did not. B is for bitter. B is for bitter, everybody. Just remember that. Hell hath no fury like a Cassie scorned. That's exactly <laughs> right. And also, you know, if you're visiting somebody else's house, here's a recommendation. Don't burn it fucking down. That too. Yep. And and don't impale anybody's head. You know. Yeah. Especially someone who's a leader and seems to be pretty chill. Love thy neighbor. Don't be a dick. Yeah, and I... Oh, wait. Oh, I thought that was one of the things that was taught in this religion. That yes, yes, loved. which was our, our whole purpose. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or is it only love thy neighbor if they look like you? That's it. That's it. Have you ever read the fine print? It's really... It's right there at the bottom. It's like, you know, yeah. point two font. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's like in Willy Wonka when his contract, when it gets smaller and smaller font, mm-hmm. that's that's religion. That's it. That's it, everybody. Except S- less funny and no Gene Wilder. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> so, <laughs> avoid, avoid going up to beams of light in the middle of the night and shitty friends that leave you behind in the forest. Uh-huh. And don't go colonizing. And until next time, stay strange. Ha, 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 ha.